single white trailer, all town and song. Four dogs in the backyard with kick the screens in the That it screams, Mama, the little boy cringes as he screams. He says, I'll be a prophet, boy. One day you'll be like me. And he thinks, I will take a different road. Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels, and I am the host of the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. You know, today in our closed Facebook group, a guy by the name of Sean O'Connor, he asked this question. He said, in light of the Me Too movement, do you think men should be more diligent to adhere to the Billy Graham rule or redefine how we are known to interact with women altogether? And I want to say, I thought this question was spot on, given where we are at in society. You know, every day, more and more accusations are coming out about men across the globe who have used position or influence in a negative way, and it's been damaging against women. The Me Too movement is a movement where women are speaking up and saying, Me Too, that they also have been in a situation where they have been sexually assaulted by uh, a man in, in some way. And with all that in mind, we know that the Bible speaks directly to us about our conduct and how we're to live our lives. We know that we are called to live above reproach and we are to live a life of integrity. The challenge is without a plan or non-negotiables, it's, it's pretty easy to find ourselves in places that we never intended to be. And without accountability, we also know that Satan would love to run rampant on our marriages and works places and anywhere else that we go that so that he could destroy us. On today's podcast, I want to talk about some of the non-negotiables that I've learned several years ago, uh, in particular when serving with a man uh, named Rusty Russell. And I'm sure he learned several of them from his father, Bob Russell, because Rusty was unwavering about their, his convictions about these uh, handful, few specific rules, it allowed me to see some other areas in life of my life that I probably needed to be mindful of. Naturally, when you lay out rules, when you lay out non-negotiables, there will be pushback. There will be those that say, oh, my wife knows that uh, there's nothing there. They know that uh, me and her are just good friends, or this is our work relationship, or whatever it is. Naturally, that will happen. But in every case, in, in every scenario, when marriages have fallen apart, when lives have been destroyed, when, when things have happened, uh, it usually started pretty innocently. It usually started as something that was um, a joke between the two of you, you maybe um, something that you were texting each other, whatever it is, that we need to be men who draw the line and say, I don't want any question in my life. I don't want anything in my life that would leave room for someone else's interpretation. And then not that we become monks or prudes or anything like that, but we live in such a way that we don't open the door to potential uh, accusations or people to feel like that you've used your position in some negative way. So men, with all that in mind, it is time for today's show. Let's hit the music.
All right, man, it's time for today's podcast. As we said uh, just a little bit ago, we're smart enough to know that if you if you set boundaries to guard yourself, your marriage, and let's be honest, the other person as well, there you will not always be praised for these boundaries. There will be pushback. There will be those uh, who mock you. There'll be those who think that you're being uh, maybe outdated, a little archaic. And, um, man, you have to be okay with that. And you you have to be okay with that. You have to say, these are non-negotiables in my life. These are areas where I am uh, unwavering. I know it won't always be popular. Uh, I know it won't always be convenient, but this is what I'm going to do. As I said, the man who really uh, opened my eyes to the specifics of the non-negotiables was Rusty Russell. Uh, He was a pastor I was able to serve with uh, years ago, and he talked about a few points. I'm going to look at four things that he uh, shared with us as his staff. They're not uh, earth-shattering, but they were non-negotiable, and we certainly knew that. And because of these points, uh, it allowed me to look at some other areas that I've added to as well. So the first was this, uh, that you never ride in a car alone with someone of the opposite sex. Um, I've seen this happen so many times. Um, It almost infuriates me because the danger, you go, well, they're just running two errands together. I've seen this happen. You hire an intern, you hire a a new staff member. And what do they do? Usually the first day or so they spend the day with whoever they're going to report to and they run all over town and, you know, and that's great. But when it is a boy and a girl, a man and a woman, and uh, you're doing this, it's not good. And this isn't outdated. This is this is dangerous, and especially when the person is a, a you know a college student of some sort. Uh, it's a bad place to be, and somebody should say something. They shouldn't endorse it or or fuel it. That you should say, hey, listen, th- this isn't good. You know, we got a married uh, pastor running around town with an unmarried um, college age girl or whatever it is. It's it's not good. And so the idea is that you never. Uh, ride in a car with someone of the opposite sex that's that's not your your wife. It, it, this can be incredibly inconvenient at times. And uh, I'll give you a scenario because you go, well, what about, and, and everyone always wants to go with the whatabouts. How about you don't do it? How about you start with that? How about you say, you know what? Non-negotiable. This is an, a line in the sand moment in my life that I don't care. I'm just not going to do this. This is something in my life I'm going to hold to. You've made resolutions. You broke them. You're going to quit drinking soda. You broke that. You're going to quit with sugar. Could you hold this? And so I've seen this happen. And so I would say years ago, it was pouring down rain and it was after church and a lot of the staff members had parked in a different lot. For some reason, my car was not on that lot, maybe because I knew it was going to rain. And I gave a female a staff member a ride to her car. We had a really big church, big campus. And um, I gave her a ride to her car and she directly reported to me. I wasn't lording anything over her, I but I called Rusty, uh, ironically, his name's brought up again, uh, on the way over to, and he's laughing at me as it's pouring down rain and I'm driving her to her car. I just said, Hey man, this is your rule. And I want to honor you with this. I want you to know, um, I'm giving her a ride (laughs) here. And just again, to keep it above board that he wouldn't have drove by and go, Hey, wait a minute. We just talked about this or, Hey, this is a rule we have as a staff member. So, um, I wanted to honor him, but I also want to honor her and I want to honor my own wife. And so I don't want to put myself in a position where uh, there'd be any question marks about that. And so uh, never ride alone in a car with someone of the opposite sex. Is this inconvenient at times? Absolutely. Does this mean you might have to drive two cars? Yep. Um, but 99% of the time, it is avoidable. It is almost always avoidable. And if you really want to make it avoidable, it is. You could absolutely figure out a way. You could walk. Give her your car and you walk if you have to. Uh, you could figure out what to do about this if you want to hold fast to this rule. Uh, the second was this, to never set up a public meeting with someone of the opposite sex that's one-on-one. 
Now, if you're having a staff meeting and there's three, four, five, six of you there, that that's different. Um, if you, as a guy, want to meet with four women, that's different. Okay, uh, but one on one, and I remember a time with him and meeting with a female coworker. Uh, he met with her one on one, and I sat at the table with them uh, awkwardly and worked on stuff while he met with her. Uh, there was nothing he was going to share in that meeting that was uh, that confidential that that I couldn't sit there. And again, if somebody were to have an, a, an agenda against him or myself or the girl or anything in between, uh, you're giving them fuel for the fire. Let's say months down the road, somebody. Here's an accusation against one of us at that table and says, you know, I heard they're cheating on their spouse. And that person goes back to that day at the cafe and says, you know what? I saw them one-on-one with that. No, no, no. You can help alleviate uh, that because the the reality is this truth will be in someone's mind, whatever they want it to be. The truth is in their mind, whatever they want it to be, you've done it. And I've done it. You made up your mind. This is the truth about somebody. And that becomes your truth. And no matter what anybody tells you, it upsets you. And when they say good things that are opposite of your truth, it upsets you. And so the the danger is you have to hold fast to that and say, you know what? I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to compromise my integrity or her integrity or the integrity of the organization or the church that we are a part of. The next one kind of goes with this was to not meet in a private space. What I mean is, uh, we have offices. We all worked in offices, but our offices had windows. So we had this thing where we all wanted blinds on our windows. We were tired of people um, seeing us all the time. We worked in an environment that we had a bunch of cubicles. So when we got to the church and we got our offices, everybody wanted privacy. We were tired of uh, kind of being out there all the time. And so we bought blinds. They made us take our blinds down. The point was, um, I don't need to meet with a volunteer or a coworker who's a female with the blinds down. Is it annoying when someone looks in your window while you're meeting one-on-one with someone or you're on the phone and they tap on the glass? They go, can I come in? That's annoying, but it's more annoying to be accused of something that you didn't do or to put yourself in a position where you might actually do something. Either way, it it is completely avoidable. And so if you're going to meet with someone, there's plenty of places that have open windows. There's hallways. There's You pull out a couple chairs. You can do it if you want to and say, you know, I'm not going to be in a place that makes me look shady. I've seen people do this. I've seen them meet in environments. I've seen them meet in places that are shady. And you know what? The truth is many times they are a shady person. They do shady things. They have shady conversations and they make shady decisions. And so um, if you want to, you put yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to be brought into the light. I'm going to meet in the light. And that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be in a situation like that. I've served at places on staff where there wasn't a window in the door. And um, I got to tell you, that's a really strange place to be if you're meeting with a female volunteer or someone else. You don't want to shut the door. Because suddenly that room feels incredibly small. And so you might leave it most most way closed, leave it open a little bit, whatever. You can figure out a way to do it. You're, you're not talking about anything that's that. Um, you're not talking about NASA secrets here, okay? Most of the time you're talking about scheduling or things like that. And if you have those kind of meetings, then bring someone else in on it with you. I've done that. I, you, you have someone else sitting there with you. Uh, the intern that you want to run all over town with, bring that person in on the meeting. So if you really want to avoid these things, you can. So we don't need to meet with them in private places. We don't need to do um, little nooks or corners or your storage closet or anything like that. Uh, It's not hide and go seek. Okay. We're not playing that game. Um, And the fourth one was this, that I really remember was uh, find the right people to have the right information. Uh, You need to know uh, who you're going to share your calendar with. So if I leave, 
if I leave the office today and I, as I walk out, I say, hey, I'm going to go meet with so-and-so, um, I let our administrative assistant know that so that she knows where I'm at. There's accountability there. She also knows if, if this person were to be upset, hey, I can never talk to – she's going to know what's going on. Now, if I run home, I tell her I run home. I don't make up a false meeting. I've seen people do this. Well, I'm busy. I'm having a meeting. They're having a meeting with their recliner. Okay, they're not really meeting. Or you take like a two, three, four-hour coffee. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a real meeting. Listen, I've ran home for phone chargers. I ran home for computer chargers. Um, I ran home because I just wanted to run home. I've done that, and I'll tell them that's what I'm doing. So that there's no question of like, where is he, where is he at all the time? I don't want to give the false assumption that I'm that busy. If I am that busy, then I have no problem telling people, what I'm doing. This is why I'm that busy. And uh, let them figure out if you're that busy or not. And so um, find the right people having the right information. But I also want to say this because I see this happen a lot online. Find the right people who don't need the wrong information. Okay. So there's certain people that you're going to tell more to than you're going to tell to others. That's just kind of the hierarchy of staff environments. That's the way culture works. There's certain people that get information that others don't get. But certain people don't need any information. And even the people who need more information than others, there's still bits and pieces of information about your life, your marriage, and your house that they do not need. And you don't need to tell them details about what you and your wife did, what you would like to do, what you would like to see her wear. You don't need to do that stuff. And I see people do this all the time. And what you're doing is you are mentally inviting them into a place that they do not belong They don't have a right to be there. And I don't know if guys do this because they're trying to impress somebody else. Boy, did you think about he and his wife? And and, and, and you're giving this this pornography idea in their mind that this must be what people do. This must be how they interact. I've had people share stuff with me personally about them and their spouse. And I'm like, I don't even know how to respond to that. I don't even know what you want me to say back. Good job. High five you. Um, I I don't know. It's incredibly painful. And so I don't want to, the next time I see your spouse or the next time I hear about, to, to have anything of them in my mind that I'm not supposed to have. And so we need to guard those areas as well. We protect those areas. We guard our spouse. We guard things. So there are certain people who need the right information. And those people also do not need the wrong information. Just because you think they're close to you, just because you think they're loyal, just because you think they're a confidant, whatever, there's still information in your life that you do not need to share with them. And again, naturally, there'll be those who who push back or say, you know what, their scenario is different. Their relationship is different. This coworker, this uh, partner in business or whatever it is, it's different. And uh, I'm not saying you can't have working relationships with women. I mean, that, that's absurd to say that we couldn't. What I'm saying is you could create boundaries for you and for them that uh, you, you eliminate any hint of this stuff, but you also eliminate environments where, where things could happen, that they shouldn't happen. And again, most of the time, I believe they start fairly uh, innocently and then they grow into something else. If you, if you would talk to someone who had an affair, you, they'd probably tell you the, they didn't wake up one day and decide, you know what, today's the day. I'm, it, it was something that happened uh, progressively that continue to evolve. And so you want to, you want to eliminate that. And if you found yourself in those situations where uh, maybe you feel like you've crossed the line or, or mentally crossed the line or whatever it is, you, you need, you need to repent of that. You need to repent of those things and say, God, I, I need forgiveness for that. I need to uh, remove myself from that relationship. I need to remove myself from that environment, whatever it is that you can make that um, 
decision, say, listen, I'm not going to live like that no more. I'm going to repent of it. I'm not going to keep kind of hanging around that place. It's kind of the Adam and Eve thing, kept hanging around the tree, I'm sure. And suddenly, next thing you know, they're they're chewing down fruit from this tree that they're not supposed to eat from. So those are things that he taught me a few, th- he taught me a lot of things, but those are things taught me specifically when it comes to this type of thing. I've added some things. Um, again, they're not uh, incredibly radical. I don't think they're incredibly difficult. Um, but this is just some things that I've learned, some healthy practices I've learned as well. The first is this, that I would prefer to have the husband's cell phone number uh, over the female's cell phone number. And this isn't a chauvinist thing or he's smarter or anything like that. But if I'm going to text your family and say, hey, what time are we getting together for this? Or, hey, what is I would much rather see um, his number than hers. I, I, we could certainly have both. I have lots of couples in my life that I have uh, both numbers, uh, the male and female, the husband and wife. I have their numbers. I've done this with their uh teenage kids and stuff like that as well. Um, I'm not asking for their cell phone number. If they want to give it, that's great. Um, I'm not trying to be uh, off-putting or anything, but um, given the option, I'd much rather have the husband's number than the wife. Again, you're just creating another layer of, hey, let's keep the dialogue be- be- between us because it's different. If I if I if he texts me something, I text him back. It's just different. I don't, if I get a text from her or she gets a text from me, whoever this person is at, you know, two in the morning, it's different than if it's just different. If we have to explain that to you, then I apologize. Number two, I don't counsel women about their husband. And the truth is I don't counsel husbands about their wife either. What, I'm, what I mean is uh, I don't want to counsel a woman without her husband there. Because what we do is we inevitably, uh, she'll talk about him. She'll share things about him that frustrate her, things that she wishes he would change. And we talk to an empty chair. We make assumptions about an empty chair. This person may or may not know that she's meeting with somebody, uh, certainly doesn't know probably what they're talking about, and isn't given an opportunity to defend themselves. The the, the same is true with a guy. Uh, I do my best to not talk with a guy about his wife because it's not fair. Now, I will give him a come on, man, kick you in the pants conversation more than I would a female. And it's just because I'm a guy and he's a guy. We can talk differently when it comes to that. Um, if, the, if the woman insists that I have to meet with you, um, I'll bring someone in on the conversation. I'll bring somebody in on it. If you, if you have to meet with me and you just can't get your spouse here, then we're going to bring someone in on this conversation. Um, because for most people, I'm your pastor. I'm not your counselor. And, um, man, I'm, I'm, I don't have a counseling degree. I'm not going to pretend to be a counselor. I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. I'll certainly sit down and talk with you and have conversation about you. But when I feel like, okay, we're at a place, um, and I'll always ask them this, ask them this as well. Uh, does he know that you're here? Does she know that you're here? Uh, because listen, I'm not trying to get in your business, vice versa. And I gotta be honest, if I found out my wife was going to get counseling from somebody about me and I didn't know they were there, um, I'd probably be upset about that. I would definitely be upset about that, especially if I thought it was someone that I didn't know or I didn't trust them. Um, Man, I I wouldn't want, wouldn't want any part of that. And so I have boundaries with that. And I go, I know that's been challenging for some and and I'm okay with that. And so again, I'm a pastor, not a counselor. I know you're going to come to me with some problem and, and listen, I can give you a theological answer and you're not going to like it most of the time because if you needed the theological answer, you probably would have found it. And what most of the time people want when they come and talk to a pastor about the, the person, they either want us to fix that person or tell them that they're right. One or the other. Most of the time it's, it's not. So we're going to get you to a counselor. We're going to get you to someone who is better uh, dealing with that. 
Uh, the third thing is this. This is not a rule that I don't think anyone's created except for myself. I'm sure other people have it. Um, it's not really a rule. It's just something that I pursue is this. Um, I do not hug. I mean, I can't hug. I prefer not to hug. Um, you'll never have to come around the corner and see me hugging on your wife ever, 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 um, unless um, somebody died, okay? Um, if you die, maybe I'll give her a hug because I'm sorry or sad that, that you died. But other than that, um, what's the point? And I, I'm just going to be really honest. If, you, if you're a widow, you're an empty nester, I get it. You do not have the the physical touch, the affection um, that we're built for, that we long for. So I understand that you long for someone to reach out and, and give you a hug, to give you some kind of embrace. But if you're not a widow, widower, what are you doing? I just saw you six days ago. Why are we embracing again? Why do I keep... Listen, if, if, there, if, if this is not for something more, then, then help me out because I feel like many times we are reaching out and we are hugging people because we want to touch them. We want to touch them. I've seen guys do this and I've seen girls do this. And I got to be honest with you, it's a little pervy. And if you're older and you're still doing this, it's really pervy. I was thinking of a conversation I had. Uh, it wasn't all that long ago with a female. And I, I got to be honest with you, within like 30 seconds, I think she gave me like a sideways hug three times. What happened in 30 seconds that you needed to reach out and embrace me with it? I don't think she's putting the moves on me. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that. I'm not saying she's putting the moves on me. What I'm saying is, what are we doing, really? What are we doing? Give me a fist bump. Give me a handshake, whatever. I, I don't hug. Um, it's not that I can't touch. It's not that I don't like touch. Touch is good within the right context. It's fantastic. But it's not necessary. And if you want to be, if you're a hugger, Good for you, but I'm going to tell you, if you're a guy and you're going around giving hugs, you're creeping people out, man. Knock it off. If you're a guy and you are going around and you are hugging people, you're creeping people out and you need to knock it off. That's all there is to it because you're not hugging them because you're feeling sorry for them or they've lost somebody. You're hugging them because you want to touch them and you, and you need to quit. That's, that's just it. You need to quit. And if you hug on my wife, I'm going to drop you. Number four, um, like an open meeting. I don't take women to lunch, okay? I, I remember years ago on Secretary's Day, I was with a, a, a big staff. Again, it was Russie staff. And we were out at Secretary's Day. We took our secretaries out for lunch. And there was lots of us at this table. We were like the only table for more than two that day because you looked around and you saw boss, secretary, boss, secretary. I mean, it was everywhere. Now, again, you can make an assumption and say, um, that wasn't a boss secretary, or you could say it was a boss secretary. She probably didn't have a lot of choice in the matter where they were going to go, or um, hopefully everything's above board there. But again, you you don't know. But I'll tell you what: our group of twelve, you certainly knew that we were just out to get a free lunch with with our boss because it was Secretary's Day. Uh, we all wanted to go. I also had this obstacle for years when uh, leading lar- larger children's ministries, and we'd have a lot of women that serve within those ministries. And so naturally, I could take uh, the guys who served in our tech ministry. I could take the men who lead or lead small groups. Or I could take them to lunch. Now, I couldn't take uh, a woman to lunch. Again, all the rules I just listed above. So you need to take a couple or you need to have meetings where they can be there. You want to show appreciation to them. But I didn't want to put myself in a position where it was just uh, me and her sitting at a coffee shop or at a restaurant or whatever. And um, again, just try to protect that. And I, I'm, as I'm saying all these things, I'm thinking about the people who will push back on that. And you're saying, oh, come on. I think what you're doing is a little too, I think I think if you ask everybody who's been in one of those scenarios, it all started fairly innocently. And what I'm trying to do is prevent 
any of those hiccups and things down the road. Um, my last one is this, and, and this is kind of different, but I think it's connected on this at the same time. Um, I try to stay as I'm a lead pastor and certainly with pursuit of manliness, I try to stay in areas that I'm gifted in and not drift. And what I mean by this is this, I'm pretty open as a lead pastor. Um, I do not want to know what people give. I don't. And in matter of fact, I don't know what people give and I'm not always hundred percent sure what I give because my wife writes the check. And the reason I don't want to know what people give is because I don't want that to influence me or cloud my thinking to manipulate anything. As I talk to them to think, man, this is a big giver. Uh, this is someone who doesn't give, or I don't want to know that stuff. And for the most part, I haven't had to do anything like that. I don't want to decide anything or handle anything with the money. I, I don't want that. I don't want the church credit cards. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want to be a part of that. What I would do is I would prefer to lean into the areas where I'm really strong or I feel like I'm strongest and where my influence can be used uh, most effectively. Uh, if I am in areas uh, that it's not my strength or that I don't really deserve to be in, or I, to be honest with you, not that maybe deserve, but I just don't need to be in, um, it's a dangerous place to be. And then it starts to become about me. And I've seen this played out and I don't want any part of it. If it's about me, uh, then it's going to end with me. And then I certainly don't want that. Uh, when you get untouchable, when you surround yourself with a bunch of uh, yes men and no one can say anything to you, then you're in a dangerous place where sin is more prevalent. And the rules, as we stated uh, above, they just simply don't apply to you because your situation will always be different. Your situation, your relationships, your staff, your whatever is always different than someone else's and they couldn't possibly know what it's like to be you. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to live there. I don't want anything to do with that. We also have to be reminded of this. We need to be smart enough to know this. As Christian men, as Christian guys, um, this doesn't give us a pass. We can't just say, well, if you just try to be a Christian guy, then you're going to be... Um, above board and no one's ever going to accuse you of something that, no, 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 no. Too many clergy, too many pastors, too many priests, wh whatever you want to be called, uh, have been caught doing some pretty heinous things lately and throughout time. But with social media, I think it's magnified. And, and as you know, people paint anything to do with religion with a pretty broad stroke. And so um, they're going to say, well, if, if, if a priest did it, then everybody that works in a church does it. If a guy at a, as a counselor at a camp did it, then everybody that works at camp must be perverts who are preying on kids and doing that. It's interesting to note the opposite of that is that you know teachers, coaches, shoot doctors, massage places, whatever, have been accused of doing some pretty terrible things, yet people will still send their kids to AU teams. And But there's something about religion, and we say, nope, nope, that's it. I draw the line there. I've lost my faith in God because somebody of – and so with that in mind, we have to be careful of that. People would love to take down or uh, certainly attack uh, someone who claims to be a man of God. You have to know this, and you have to put stipulations in place of what is and what is not okay. And then you need to communicate it. And I don't, I, I, listen, people that know me know that I don't walk around going, I don't hug and I don't yell that. Let's not give you a hug if you reach out for a hug. But I also joke that I don't do that. Or I'll talk about, listen, we're not going to ride in a car together. Like my staff knows that. We don't, is it inconvenient at times? Yep. Does all three of us want to go somewhere or whatever as we go places? Nope. But we do it because it's, it's what we need to do. So um, if you wait until that moment, to decide what you're going to do, it's already too late. If you wait, this is true with sin across the board. If you wait until that moment to decide if you're going to look at that website, if you're going to send her that text, if you're going to go to that place, if you're going to, you know, whatever it is, it's too late. And certainly true with these things. 
And so what you may need to do is, is again, repent of that and maybe have a staff meeting and, and just remind everyone, listen, listen, I just want to remind you, these are the things that we put in place to protect us. We talk about this within our staff meeting. Listen, if there are people in our church, if there are people that walk in our door that make you uncomfortable to the men or to the women, we want to know. We want to know. And, and we want to bring that up. And so um, if, if I have a, a, a female in our church who is uncomfortable by another guy or guys in our church and it's becoming, uh, you know, we're going to, we need to do something about it. Same way if we have men who are uncomfortable with a female and that we're going to, we need to do something about it. If you're a shepherd, then you have that responsibility and you need to do that. And here's the thing too. If you're single, you don't get a pass. If you're a single guy and you're walking around, and you're hugging on everybody, you're a pervert too, man. All right, knock it off. If you're single, you don't get a pass. Uh, it's, it's up to you to start working on yourself, that you become that kind of man that you, people are glad you're around. People aren't glad that when you leave because you'll stop touching them. People are glad you're around because you, again, you, you, have a, you have a presence. You have a good, calming, welcoming, loving, nurturing presence about you. So guys, these are just some strategies that I have. There's a few that I've learned, some that I've added, but certainly what I try to lean into on a daily basis. And, and I don't, again, have to re-communicate it every day, but it's something we talk about you know, in, within our staff meetings uh, periodically, just to remind ourselves of this. And so if you have some that you lean into, things that you use, things that work for you, I, I would love to know about it. You can certainly leave comments on uh, the social media post where this is posted if you want, um, or shoot me an email, uh, pursuemailiness at gmail.com. And while you're there, while you're doing all this clicking, while you're doing all this whatever, it may it'd be great if you went to iTunes and uh, click subscribe. And, and I have to tell you, I, I wish I didn't have to bring this up all the time, but the truth is this. It'd be great if you went to iTunes and click subscribe. One, you're not going to miss a podcast. And it really does mean a lot to me uh, when guys listen to the podcast or when they get feedback or when they eat, get podcast ideas or whatever. I mean, it really does mean a lot because I'm – Stand here talking to myself, but I'm ultimately I'm talking to you, and I'm envisioning men listening to this and and what we can do with this. And so, if you go there, click subscribe. That would be awesome. But while you're there, if you would leave a review and just a five star review would be great. But if you, the more reviews you leave, the more subscriptions it gets. iTunes attention and says, "Hey, there's something happening here." And the more that happens, the more we are in the conversation with other guys, and we're helping them understand uh, who they're created to be. But we're also helping guys who want absolutely nothing to do with Jesus, want anything to do with the Bible, church, whatever, to say, hey, uh, we're men like you, and we're trying to be a better man, and hopefully uh, we can reach them with the good news of Jesus through what we're doing here. So you can partner with us just by clicking subscribe, and uh, again, leaving leaving a review, that would be really, really cool. And lastly, man, don't forget to check us out on social media. I mentioned the Facebook closed group. It is uh, facebook.com uh, backslash groups backslash pursuit of manliness. If you're a guy who's pursuing manliness and wants to be connected to these, these guys, there's some really cool, um, good guy stuff going on in there. I'd love for you to uh, click join. We'd love to add you. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff's there. Our Facebook page uh, is just uh, Pursue Manliness. You can find us there. Love for you to follow that page. Invite your friends to do the same, man. That would really be cool. So guys, thank you for listening. I hope that you take these things to heart. Chew on them. Uh, if you got your own, share them with me and keep pursuing manliness. One thing you will see is that you're loved.